Amen. Good morning, church. Man, Don, like, we sent off global workers. We prayed for kids. Like, we had all, like, you and I could just read the phone book today, and we could go home and be a great Sunday, you know? Wow. Don't worry, I'm not going to read the phone book to you. So, college students, there's these things called books where people would list phone numbers. No, I'm kidding. Okay. All right. That's when you know you're starting to get old when your jokes have to be explained, right? Hey, good morning. Good morning. My name is Brad Dutton. I I co-lead the community ministry uh, here at New Heights Church along with Don Stanford. I also uh, am responsible for the care ministry within our church. And we just want to welcome you to what we call Community Sunday. We do this once a year where we, we talk about the value of community. Now, obviously, we value community at this church 52 Sundays a year, but we get the platform to talk about uh, our need for community uh, a couple times a year. And um, so I'm excited. And so, you know, I just want to explain to you really quick, at New Heights, we value community. And we don't just say that. Like, this church was founded by families who wanted to experience what church life, what the Christian life was like in a circle rather than in a row and in each other's homes and praying for one another. That, those were part of the foundations of this church. And so everything we do in this church, we try to create space for you to experience it with other people. We try to create a moment for you to experience the life with Christ surrounded by your people, right? And so oftentimes that experience, there's something, there's something spiritual, there's something special that happens when you're able to share a meal with people. A lot of times for me, my greatest moments of community have been sharing a meal with other people, right? And especially, I, I think of memories of whenever I was kind of young in my Christian life uh, and, and, and in college and experiencing community, going out to eat after lunch, after church was over, right, with my group of friends and just the experience of, of, of downloading and talking through uh, what the sermon was like and talking about what our week was like. And, and there's something special and something valuable in that. And I hope that, that, that you have space for that. In fact, and we, we value community so much. We know that with inflation being the way it is and with prices kind of rising left and right, it, it's, more, it's becoming more and more difficult. It's almost becoming more and more of an investment for you to take your community or your group of friends and your family out to eat after church is over. And so as part of Community Sunday today, we want to help you with that. What we did is before you all arrived here today, we bought and, and, and got a bunch of different gift cards to different restaurants to uh, be able to bless you with uh, maybe a dinner for five, six people. And we put them in envelopes and we taped those envelopes randomly under chairs uh, in this room. And so take a second, look underneath your chair, see if you were one of the lucky people. We did not put the dried gum under there, okay? But take a second. If you find it, that's just our way of saying thank you, bless you. You got to use it for community. For these empty chairs, you can have the first rule of treasure hunting. It's finders versus keepers, right? Take a minute. Over there. It's good. Um, can, can I confess something to y'all? Is this a, is this a safe space for, for confession? I just need to confess that I lied to you guys, all right? I lied to you. But you know what's interesting? You may not see it from your view because you were too busy looking for that, that, that gift card to, to Ruby Tuesday, but um, is there even a Ruby Tuesday anymore? I don't even know, but all right. Yeah, yeah. College students, there was a restaurant called Ruby Tuesday. No, all right. Um, 
I saw so many of you immediately start to reach underneath. I think I could see the thought bubble in some of you, like, who am I going to invite? Other people are pulling out their, their, their reservation app, trying to reserve a space at Southern Food Company after this, so you don't have to wait in line. But you believed my lie as truth, and it affected your life, right? So a lie, when believed to be true, will affect your life as if it were true. I'll say that again. A lie, when believed to be true, will affect your life as if it were true. And here's what happens. So many, so many Sundays, we, we talk about community in our church, and we talk about the, this idea of how you and I were created to experience significant things in life with other people. And, and we say the benefits of community and we explain to you just how critical it is. And what will happen is you walk away. I've done it myself. You walk away from a community Sunday or talk on community or study of community and you walk away and you have this principle in your mind. I need community. And that's true. You and I all need community. But what I want to tell you today is that's just a half truth. And we have a little sayings in my family. I make my kids repeat them. It, it annoys the mess out of them, but hopefully someday it'll stick. One of, the, one of the things I have them repeat is a half truth is still a lie. And so if we walk away from today understanding this half truth of community, of us needing community, what, what you're at danger of is this. You'll, you'll approach Don, myself, our community team, say, hey, I need to find my people. And that's our job. Our job as a community team is to help you find your people, help you find your place here at New Heights Church. And you're like, I need community. I need my people. I need you to help me. I'm going to look. I'm going to go to a community group. I'm going to find these things. And what, if you're not careful, if you don't, if you don't check yourself, you're going to wreck yourself and, and realize that you're, you're going to walk into a community group with, with the, the lenses where the vision of these are going to be the people that I need in my life. And these are the people that are going to meet me where I'm at. These are the people who are going to hold me up. These are the people who are going to be my best friends. These are going to be the people that love on me and I can share all these things with. And that's true. But the subtle half-truth of this is that if you approach any relationship from the posture of what do you have to offer me? You're going to be frustrated at best and most likely disappointed and maybe even a little uh, resentful because those people can't meet what you need. So what I want to challenge us to do today is to look at, and we're going to talk, explore and unpack the second half of this, this equation. This is, a, this is a half truth. I want to look at the second half of this truth. It's almost as if I want us to go through a, a, uh, a spiritual eye exam today. Okay? How many of y'all have ever gone to an eye exam? Anybody? Can I just say, that's one of the most stressful experiences of my entire life, right? You go into a room, you sit in this uncomfortable chair, the doctor puts this huge thing in front of your face, you look at letters, and he starts to ask you to read the letters, and you hope you're getting it right because you want to impress him, right? And so then he says, okay, and then he does like some clicks, he does like some kind of 
old school algorithm. You hear this click, 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 and then all of a sudden things flip and you see like a blurry thing. And he goes, number one, click, number two, click, number one, click, number two. And you're like, uh, which, he's like, which is better? I go, number one, okay. And then he goes through like, okay, number three or number four. Number three or four. And then after a while, you start to guess like, am I getting this wrong? Because he, he goes, which is better? Number one, click, or number five, click. I go, five? He goes, you think this, click, is better than this? Click. I'm like, I don't know. You're the doctor. You tell me which is better, right? But what happens is you don't realize how maybe out of focus your eyesight has gotten until you're able to put on a proper prescription set of lenses, right? And I want to challenge us today. Let's go to a, a spiritual optometrist, which is the word of God, and allow him to correct our vision of what community is supposed to be, okay? If you have your Bibles or your Bible devices, uh, you can open them up to Romans chapter 12. And while you're going there, um, I just wanna encourage you every week to engage with, with, with us as we open up God's word. In Romans chapter 12, we're gonna start in verse three today. Paul writes this. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So rather than Paul painting a picture of what Christian community should look like as a group of people that are inclusive and are going to meet these, these, these desires and these needs that I have in my life, he paints it from a different picture, doesn't he? He paints it as, as if you are a part of a body. You're part of a greater body. But what, what are some, some of the things that I see that kind of jump out at me through this is number one, healthy community involves humility. Healthy community involves humility. Approaching a Christian community, a small group community group in our church from the posture of, I don't have it all together And I needed to allow people to speak truth into my life. Kind of changes how you can walk into that living room. Realizing you're not the expert is a very liber and don't have to be an expert is a very liberating day where you can allow other people to speak truth into your life. In in the southern, the, the, the Arkansas Southern translation of this verse, it says that don't get too big for your britches, right? Lower yourself just a little bit and approach community with humility. 
Second thing we see is that if you're a believer in Christ, you belong to an amazing interconnected system. You're a member of a family now. If you are in Christ, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, and let me just say for you, that's where spiritual community has to begin. If you are here and you haven't come to a point in your life where you realize, boy, I I mess up a lot. I, I, I make a lot of mistakes. I need a lot of grace. I need Jesus. That's where you're, that's your on-ramp to community. Because what happens is once you are in Christ, he adopts you into his family. He chose you to be a part of his greater family. And I don't know what your family gatherings look like, but when I, when I think of family gatherings, I don't think of people coming in and one person doing all the work and everybody else just enjoying that. I don't, I don't go to my family gathering saying, what do you have to offer me? Whenever we have a family get together, whenever mom says we're going to have a barbecue, I don't say, well, I hope you're, you're, you're doing a brisket, right? Well, I hope that you're going to have some kind of gluten-free buns, right? No, it's the natural reaction when it's family is what can I bring? Right? That's what makes family meals so special, right? What can I bring? Third thing I see out of this is number three, your gifts are given for the benefit of your community. When you're in Christ, not only just he, does he adopt you into his family, then he gives you these gifts. We call them spiritual gifts within the church that he wants you to use for the benefit of your spiritual community. He wants you to use those for the benefit, for for the, the spiritual encounter of those that you're going to sit in community with. And can I just go off on a little tangent real quick? We talk a lot about spiritual gifts in this church because we think they're important. But I I want to challenge you today, church. I want to challenge you today, Christian. Just because you know what your spiritual gift is, doesn't mean you oftentimes are an expert or know exactly how to use it. I want to challenge you in this. If you know that you have the gift of discernment, which is what scripture talks about a lot, and you aren't careful and you aren't learning how to use that correctly, you stand in danger of being a very judgmental person. Because you, because of the gift God has given you and placed in you, you know things that are happening in people's lives that they don't even have to say. And if you're not careful and, and wise in how you use the gift that God has given you, it will turn on you and make you, in this instance, a very uh, judgmental and resentful person. So just because you know what your gift is doesn't mean that you're the expert now, Right? When I was in college, um, I took general psychology, and in that general psychology class, our professor talked to us about uh, abnormal psychology, schizophrenia, all the exciting things, Freud. And so then uh, he, he, he had lectures all throughout the semester. Then the very last lecture of the semester, he was the head of the psychology department at the University of Arkansas. He, in a big auditorium, he said, here's the thing, I want to congratulate you on finishing Intro to Psychology you are now the most dangerous people in the world because you understand what, what schizophrenia is, but you have no authority to diagnose your roommate with schizophrenia, okay? Because you have to be trained in how to use those skills. 
The only way you get trained to use your spiritual gifts is by doing it, by being around people with the gift of discernment, by practicing mercy, by leading, by teaching. Are you going to mess up? Probably. But that's okay. So we walk away a lot of times with this understanding of, I need community. But again, that's only a half truth. Let me show you the, the second half of that truth. Community needs me. Okay, let's practice that. I'm going to say, I need community. You say, community needs me. Okay, this is an interactive portion of church. Okay, I need community. Good, let's do it again. I need community. All right, anytime you hear me say that from the rest of, of, of my talk today, you repeat it, okay? All right. I need community. That's good. That's good. Because you're a part of a family. Your family needs you. You're part of the body of Christ. The body needs the body to function, right? This isn't the first time Paul has talked about the idea of the body, right? He talks about it in Corinthians. He says, you know, the elbow can't say to the rest of the arm, I don't need you. Could you imagine trying to eat a casserole with no elbows, right? It's not going to work. We all need, no matter how insignificant you may think your functioning is, you're a part of the body. You need community. There you go. There you go. So let's keep going on. We got a few more verses to cover today. Let's look at verse 9. So Paul kind of paints the picture of we're a part of a greater family. And then he kind of goes into a little bit more um, detail. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Other translations say, don't just pretend to love others, really love them, right? Paul kind of lets you know that this is not going to be an easy walk in the park and living in the body of Christ. You start to hear the weight of that. Be sincere in loving people. And when you're sincere and loving people, that means you hate the sin that is inside that person in your community. And you walk with them and you help God and God uses you and the people in your community to expose the things in our life that need to be exposed and be removed. And then honor other people above yourselves. There's that humility idea again, right? But what he's trying to say is that people are counting on you to play a part and their story of being, of being known and loved by God. People are counting on you. I need community. People are counting on you. It's not what you can get out of that. It's what you can give. It's what you bring to the table. And that starts to sound hard, doesn't it? It doesn't sound very convenient to love sincerely or to hate what is evil. It doesn't sound convenient to ask yourself, what do these people need from me in my life? What can I give to them? But Paul never promised us it'd be easy. In fact, quite the opposite. If you look at 
chapter 12, verse 1, he frames it not out of convenience. How does he frame it? He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here it is, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Community is sacrifice. It means surrendering your conveniences, surrendering your time, surrendering your preferences for the good of your family. He never promised this to be easy. But we tend to hold convenience and ease maybe a lot higher than we should in the Christian world. Right? We tend to hold that maybe a little bit higher. Look, you have a responsibility to take care of other people. If you're in a family, you have a responsibility to take care of other people. Community is where you have the obligation to live out and practice the one another's we see in Scripture. Community is where you have the obligation to live out and practice the one another's we see in Scripture. We just saw two of them earlier in this passage. But those aren't the only two. There are 59 one another statements in the, in the New Testament. 59. That's just under 60 exhortations in Scripture to actually do something for people. Love one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. I could go on and on and on. I'm not because I don't want to steal all of Don's time either. But um, you can't. Here's the, here's the thing. We believe and we actually spend time in our discovery groups talking about the one another's. We have a lesson dedicated to community where we talk about the one another's in scripture and how we believe as a church, community groups are where we best express those one another's. It's really hard to one another times 59 in the span of 75 minutes on a Sunday, right? It's really hard to do that with hundreds of people around you. That's why as we grow bigger as a church, it's important for us to grow smaller in our communities and for you to express those exhortations, those do for one another's in a circle of people. And then Paul talks about hospitality, making a place at your table, not only for strangers, but oftentimes the strange ideas that they come with, right? Right? Hospitality is not just opening your home. It's not accepting strange ideas as truth. It's simply saying, you know what? Maybe that's not exactly what we believe or what I believe or what (laughs) scripture says. But I love you and I want to love you well enough to show you gently that this is what God has to say. And let me just tell you, church, I want to brag on you for a minute, okay? You do this better than any church I've ever seen. The culture of care in this church is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I get phone calls all the time. I get messages all the time that so-and-so's in the hospital. So-and-so has had an accident. So-and-so, da 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 Like all sorts of different crazy stories. And I'll tell you, time after time after time, I'll, what I've finally figured out in, in working this job is, is this. Whenever I find out somebody in our church who has a tangible need, who is in a, in a, in a, in a, in a spot, my initial reaction is to look up and see if they're connected with a community group. And overwhelmingly, if you're connected with a community group in this church and you get in just storms like life brings at you, I know you're going to make it. 
because the people in your group are going to take care of you. I've seen it time and time again. So I want to brag on you for that. As your care pastor, thank you. My, my, I'll just tell you, my, my evil plan for care ministry in this job is this, my, uh, is to, to help you to do and promote a culture of care in this church so well, you don't even need a care pastor anymore because it's just part of who you are. It's your DNA as a church, okay? You're stuck with me, right, for a while, but the more and more and more we care for one another, the more and more and more we share the load together. And you do it so, so well. But oftentimes, what I've seen is that uh, there'll be somebody in a care group or a community group who has a very tangible need. And that need oftentimes can outweigh the ability of the church, of the group to care for them. Okay? Perfect example. Let me just throw this out there. Um, in this room, with a room this size, I hate to be the bearer in bad news, but at some point, somebody in this room is going to have some automotive problems, all right? Sorry, if you go, if you leave church today and your car won't start, please don't get mad at me, okay? Get mad at Ford Motor Company or whoever it was that made your car, but you're gonna have issues. You're gonna have automobile problems. I also know in a room this size, there's gotta be mechanics in here. There's gotta be people who are skilled auto technicians. And and let me just say this, the guy on stage is not one of them, all right? I have keyboard hands, right? I stole that from Chris Hunt, but I, I I don't have the ability to fix things. I get jealous of people who can later, the more I'm in life, I get jealous of people who can fix things with their hands. But what I know is there's people in our church that have tangible needs, There's people in our church who can offer tangible help. So what we've been, myself and a team of other people have been working on for about a year now is is an initiative, uh, a mechanism that would help connect the need with the help in an easier way than is before. More convenient, much more accessible, right? And it's an initiative we're calling CareNet. We're providing tangible resources for tangible needs within the New Heights family. It's a time where we can provide tangible needs, tangible resources for tangible needs within our church family. It's literally just helping us to fulfill our mission as a church of loving God passionately by loving people tangibly. I've heard story after story this summer of I don't know how many people whose air conditioners have gone out because it feels like we're living like five miles from the surface of the sun this summer and air conditioners have been working overtime. And I also know that there has to be a ton of, there has to be in in a room this size air conditioner repairmen. So if I know that there's people in our church who have a broken air conditioner and I know that they're air conditioner repairmen, shouldn't I do everything I can to try to connect the two, right? And that's the idea behind CareNet to provide a space where the requests of the needs are met with the resources of the people who can help provide those needs. So what you need, what I need from you today is I just need to know what you're good at. I need to know who the insurance salesman is. I need to know who the, who the, the auto technician is. We need to know 
who our plumbers are. We need to know our dentists, our physical therapists, so that when somebody has a trick knee, they can get on CareNet, say, I need some help with my knee, and they'll be directed to someone within our church family who's a physical therapist and can help with that. Okay? So in a moment, we're doing, Don's going to share with you more about an insert inside your bulletin or a QR code will pop up here in a minute. Talking about community, it's also a moment where you can say, here's what I have to offer, okay? And I'm not talking about extremely skilled labor, right? This is not exclusionary for any of us. We all have something that we contribute to. We can contribute to our family. We can contribute to our community. It could be you have a Tuesday afternoon free. Well, we have people who have had knee replacement surgery who need a ride to physical therapy. Why don't you volunteer to, bring, to take, pick them up and take them there? Maybe you're not a skilled automotive technician, but you want to help pay for one. That's where CareNet can help as well. Okay? So take time right now, just beginning to think, what do I have to offer? What's my little piece of the puzzle? It may look insignificant as a jigsaw puzzle piece, but when you bring it into the greater church family and put it on the table, it becomes something very beautiful, doesn't it? How many of y'all did during quarantine, got into jigsaw puzzles? Anybody? This is a safe place. You can admit it. There we go. Raise your hands. Maybe you have tennis elbow because of all the pieces, but it's, it's very, very fulfilling to be able to put that whole piece of the puzzle together, right? Bring your piece to the, to the table today. That's what we're asking you to do. I need community. Yeah. I need community. Yeah. You know, uh, every year at Community Sunday, we like to um, have a time where we tell stories of, of just that idea of how I need community. Good, I almost thought I could sneak one past you. But um, I couldn't think of somebody else who, who would be perfect to share stories of, of what no, being known and loved by God and knowing and loving people could be than, than, than Don Stanford. Don, come on up. Um, y'all welcome Don to the stage. Let her know how much you love her. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brad. The first seven years of our marriage, God led Rodney and I to be part of a very unique church an evangelical, charismatic, and liturgical church in Longview, Texas. One of the first things we did was become part of a small group which happened to be studying Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. Anybody do that one? Yep, yep. We were the young couple. I was 25, Rodney was 33, in this intergenerational group. Previous to this small group experience, both of us had mostly been in groups where we were all the same age except for our leaders. Newly married in a new town, I personally craved making friends with women my own age, but it was a struggle finding people who I really clicked with relationally. Thankfully, God taught us that sometimes the hidden gems of friendship are in the people you least expect. The Rices in their 60s, the Lundgrens in their 40s with teenage boys, and some older single ladies, plus us, the newlyweds. <laughs> Together, we knew and loved God and each other. And as we gathered weekly for a meal, worship, study, and prayer, and as Henry Blackaby recommended, we always had an empty chair 
to remind us to share Jesus with others and invite them to be part of our community and believers. Next, God led us to Colorado for three years where we were part of a church called Cornerstone Church of Boulder Valley. Living in a metro area, it was given that it just took 30 to 45 minutes to drive anywhere. (laughs) On Sunday mornings, that's fine, but what about the day in, day out living of community? Um, The small groups there were called life groups and were assigned by your location. We lived in a Denver suburb called Westminster and hosted at our home on Wednesday nights with a simple soup, salad, and bread dinner, worship, study time, and prayer. Another intergenerational group that had a younger couple with young kids, with no kids, Rodney and I, who now had two kids, (laughs) and some singles and an older couple. Also, I was part of a women's small group Bible study that met for three years together. And we would go through Bethmore Bible studies and also a study that one of the ladies in our group wrote and was eventually published. And the unique thing about that group was that all the ladies were in about five years age of each other. These brothers and sisters in Christ in Colorado were ones who knew and loved God and each other. Since living in Northwest Arkansas since 2004, God has given us an opportunity to be part of three different churches. First, the Grove Church, which met in Dixon Theater in downtown Fayetteville on Sunday nights. A very young and new church at the time where literally everyone served, and Rodney and I were some of the oldest people, and we were only in our mid-30s and early 40s. Um, Immediately, we got plugged into community um, with another mixed bag of people from college students to newly married to singles of a variety of ages and families with kids, actually not very many empty nesters or older. Um, It was a fun and thriving time that our group soon multiplied and we became leaders. Oh, the stories we could tell of packing 50 people into an 1,800 square foot home for a Super Bowl party or a kid falling up off a bunk bed and campouts that we still talk about today. Together, we knew and loved God and each other by praying through financial troubles, addictions, marital turmoil, infertilities, cancer, births, adoptions, and deaths. Second, after 13 years of marriage and always seeming to be the leaders of a group, we knew God was calling us to a season of rest and healing. God led us to Outreach Center Church in Salem Springs, my home church in my college years, and where Rodney and I were married. Um, Don Leach and Dean Kearns, the founders of Day Spring Cards, were actually the pastors there at the time. And in a small, faithful fellowship of believers who see the church as one of a revolving door, as people are sent out on a regular basis in global missions, or people like us who are in a season, which in our case was just four years. And the Lord um, did a unique thing in that short season of time while we were there. He called the whole church to be in small groups of all men or all women. And uh, we were mixed ages and stages of life. And in my group, four of us had significant birthdays turning 30, 40, 50, and 60 in that year. And of course, Rodney's group perfected the art of guys gathering around a fire with s'mores. Yes, gotta love that. Together, we knew and loved God and each other by living out Titus 2 of the older teaching the younger. And when our time at Outreach came to an end, Outreach Center blessed us 
sang and prayed over us and sent us out gracefully. That was an amazing church. Wow. And then for the last 11 years, um, we have been part of New Heights Church. Very soon after starting to worship at New Heights, we joined a discovery group. You can join a discovery group today too. Um, Led by John and Vaughn Hayward, one of the founding families of New Heights. John is also one of our elders. Never before in all of the churches we attended had we seen this done. It was the most intentional and relational membership process we have ever experienced. After graduating from Discovery, we were part of a community group led by Doug and Becky Lynch and Bill and Nyleen Stanley. Then another group of parents of teens, only for a short season. And then um, for the last six years, um, we became um, leaders of a group that we've led for the last six years. Um, We started as a mixed group of college guys, single women, young married couples, and us, the couple with teenagers. Our group met on Thursday nights at first because Rebecca's high school cell group met at our house on Wednesday night and Rachel Joy's junior high cell group met at our house on Sunday night. Oh, the joy to open our home and practice biblical hospitality with these small groups. The young married couples of those groups are still young in comparison to Rodney and I. However, now they have multiple children. And we've seen people come and go gracefully as some seasons change in people's lives. And our college guys graduated. Our adopted global workers, the Vacani family, you can see them up there. Um, they came and they were worship, um, they joined with us for about four months. And, um, then, and that was just so, so awesome to build that relationship with them. And then over the last two years during the pandemic, our group did not stop meeting and gathering. And we actually grew. Um, To meet the needs of the young families with kiddos who have early bedtimes, we decided to meet every other week as a group and in different backyards and sometimes spread around the church offices. And then the in-between weeks, we have a girls' night or a guys' night. And one of the biggest things we're absolutely committed to do is praying for each other. Sometimes in those early pandemic months, we would hop on a Zoom call, um, many times with crying, laughing, or poopy diaper kids in the background, or our kitties going in front of the camera um, during the Zoom call. You guys can relate to that. Um, Just to see each other's faces and pray with each other. Sometimes we do something called pray the prayers. It's where you don't even share prayer requests ahead of time, but jump right into praying our own requests and then having others join in as the Spirit leads in praying with and for each other. Several in our group last year were wrapping up graduate programs and one even finishing her doctoral program. Lots of prayers needed for that. Also high school and college graduations for some of our kiddos and a wedding for our daughter, Rebecca. Then last fall, our group, our group knew it was time to multiply. So Mitch and Mary Wiley took leadership of half the group and we continued on with the other half. Since then, our group has practiced confession with each other, along with praying for each other through some challenging times. We have laughed and cried through joys and sorrows. And since the beginning of the summer, three babies have been born. (laughs) Twins, Ethan and MJ Huffmaster, and Samuel Staggs, that you can see there. And the unexpected death of our 19-year-old daughter, Rachel Joy. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Oh, how thankful and grateful we are for a community of believers who know and love God together and are known 
and loved by each other. As Rodney and I have walked the past month of the unimaginable death of our daughter, we have experienced being known and loved by God and his people. People of every single one of these small groups that I just shared have either called, texted, sent cards, provided meals, given gifts, and some have driven or flown here just to be with us as we grieve. On a few occasions over the last few weeks since Rachel Joy's death, I have said to Rodney, I wish I could just bottle up all this love and give it to others who don't have it. Henry Nouwen said, what a joy to be fully loved and fully known at the same time. So I have two important questions for you. Do you know and love God with a small group of people on a regular basis? And are you known and loved by each other? Brad talked about a community census that we have. And community can look like a lot of different things for different people. Um, so absolutely no shame if you're not in a group or if it looks very unique or different. But we're just wanting to know, what does community look like for you right now? Um, maybe it's you, you get together with um, three or four men or women on a regular basis for coffee at a coffee shop or in your home, you open up, maybe you have a traditional community group, maybe you've been through one of our deeper groups, um, maybe you're going through discovery right now and you'll launch into one, um, but we want to know um, what does community look like for you right now? Um, we also have, um, and so what we're going to do, we're going to take some time right now and you can actually scan this QR code or you can fill this out, it's in your bulletin. If you don't have a pen, borrow one from a neighbor or on our community table in the back. I got a ton of pens back there if you don't have a pen. And if you fill this out in on paper, go ahead and put this piece of paper at the end into that basket that's on the community table. But you can pull out your phone. So we're just going to give you a couple moments to do that. And at the very bottom, Brad discussed and talked about CareNet. Do you want to say anything more about that and sure. gathering? Yeah, this is, this is your opportunity just to share. Here's what I can bring to the table. Here's what, here's what I have to offer. I'm skilled in this. I know how to do that. I know somebody who can do this. Okay. I need to see all heads down or on your phone right now. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> we have a captive audience right now. <laughs> do it now. Um, we will we'll be sending this out in our, our email, but, but go ahead and take time yeah. right now, please, yeah. um, to do that. It's, it doesn't take very long. It's very short. You can do, if you want to do the one that's in your bulletin, you can put it in the basket in the back or go ahead and pull out your phone. We're just going to give you a couple moments to do that. And then we're going to move into a time of praying together.
There are several groups. Um, if you've gone through our deeper intensive, one of the things that we invite um, our deeper group members to do is sit together with each other every single week. And that will be something we're still taking. You can still sign up for deep, deeper. Uh, we'll have more in the spring as well. That's one of our intensive discipleship uh, community experiences. Um, but some of you as community groups, maybe do that as well and you might be there. And so what we're gonna take time right now together to do, um, we told you this was participatory today. Um, we are part of the body together. And we want to um, take time for you to be able to love God together by praising, thanking, adoring Him. Um, to love God, love each other by praying for each other. And then just also asking yourself and your group, how can I know and love him and others by maybe inviting somebody, maybe filling that empty chair? Who could you invite? Who could you invite? And so we're gonna just take a moment right now and just in small groups, if you wanna go ahead and just gather and pray through some of these things. And then the worship team um, will, will, will lead us in closing song and communion as well. But just, just gather in small groups right now and, and just take a time. They're gonna be playing while, while you pray for each other.